Unlimited Influence podcast, episode seven. Are you ready to give your personal brand a boost and take your business to a whole new level? Go to theaccelerantgroup.com and download your free copy of the Brand Builder Formula. Welcome to the Unlimited Influence podcast, where I chat to everyday people who've stepped up to inspire others to be the best they can be. Get ready as they inspire you to unleash your unlimited influence. Hey everyone, Samantha Riley here and I'm super excited to be welcoming today's featured guest, Manny Wolf. So I first met Manny, uh, Manny when he interviewed me for his podcast, The Steep Side of the Mountain. Um, and let me tell you, this guy is full of gold nuggets and value bombs. We had such an inspiring conversation that I just had to get him on the show to uh, let you guys learn all about him as well. So Manny's the author of the number one Amazon bestselling book, The Tower of the Unbreakable Man. He's a speaker, speaker trainer, coach and mentor. And welcome to the show, Manny. Super pumped to have you here. Yeah, it's so good to be connecting with you again. I'm glad to be here, of course. Uh, I love being interviewed, and uh, to be interviewed by you is twice as good. So let's jump right in. It's going to be a great day. (laughs) Okay, so that was a super brief intro, but I'd love you to pull back the curtain a little and give our listeners a sneak peek into who you are and what makes you tick. Yeah, what makes me tick, I'll reverse it. I'll go with what makes me tick first. What makes me tick is... The fact that I'm still here, I'm still alive, which I choose to interpret to mean that it is my mission to help other people. And I don't say that lightly. And I acknowledge fully that that's the kind of talk and the kind of rhetoric that a lot of people throw around. One of the things that I'm really learning defines me, but that other people give a lot of lip service to is I don't really use hyperbole. I speak in a hyperbolic way, but I don't use hyperbole. I mean it if I say it. Like, I mean it if I say it. Yeah, you you totally do. (laughs) I learned that about you very early on. (laughs) (laughs) And so the fact that I lived through my life, and that's the life, the stuff I talk about in the book, the only way I can make sense of that, as many times as I should have died, as many times as I should have been taken out, drug deals, gang issues, violence, living in a ghetto, just the insanity. You know what? I'll tell you something that actually, you know, you do a lot of interviews and you sort of, no matter how how much of a voice you want to bring to each one, you wind up saying the same things, right? Yeah, because that's who we really are. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you something that I haven't shared on many podcast interviews. To give you a sense of kind of how insane my thinking in my childhood was, I literally, for there were about three years, four years, something like that in my life, and I was young, like a kid, where I would sprint across traffic. (laughs) I I, I just need to let that sit for a second because I look back on it now and I understand as much as this sounds like a soundbite, I had to feel something, Samantha. I had to feel something. And I don't know anyone out of all the people I've known who have faced strange challenges. I've never heard of somebody who had the compulsion to sprint in traffic, sprint through traffic as a kid. So that's how much sort of conflict and internal pressure I had, you know, and then to to have that level of compulsion. And then, of course, to go into drugs and alcohol, which you learned about when I interviewed you, but your listeners don't know about. I went through a, a long period of basically... I was facing down the devil is what I was doing. You know, it was either one of us was going out alive. The other one was going out dead. And um, 
in that period, I basically used drugs and incredibly reckless behavior to take myself to the edge. And that's also why I would sprint out in traffic as a kid. And it's also why I did so many other crazy things is, I don't know, before I could even articulate it, before I could even describe it, it's like I could recognize how messed up the childhood I had was. And I could recognize that I was supposed to be a different person, you know? And so to be here today, the, the simple act of being, well, it's not simple. I mean, you're on a different continent, but <laughs> the act of being able to just talk to you, right? For me, to be able to just tell my story, the only way I can make sense of that is to say that I must be here to help other people. I must be here to serve. And so so that's the long answer to a short question. Oh, I don't believe there's ever a short answer to a question like that. But, you know, as a mother, I'm standing here listening to that with my mother hat on just thinking, oh, my yeah. God, if that was my children, like I've got adrenaline pumping through my veins just in that, you know, three or four minutes that you shared that story, just thinking, oh, my God, if that was my children, like I've got goosebumps and I was like quite wow, it took my head to a whole different place. So, you know, like like you said, we have shared a lot of this conversation before, but I think it's just so humbling that you can come out of that and then to serve and help others. That is just the most, it is the greatest gift as humans that we can give to another human is to serve them and use that story and, and, and all of our experiences to go forward and help people. So, yeah, God, we're five minutes in and I'm just like, oh my God, mind blown. <laughs> cool. All right. So what is your business now and who do you help? Great. So the soundbite, the elevator pitch is that I help entrepreneurs and high performers to learn how to craft and deliver their message from the stage in a way that absolutely burns the house down, absolutely brings people to their feet. But the reality of it is a little bit broader. Most public speaker trainers, what they do is they give you skills to stack on top of who you currently are. Yes. I somewhat liken that to sticking feathers up your butt and declaring that you're a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not do that, hey? <laughs> because here's the thing, right? If if public speaking is one of the top fears of human of the human experience, I don't think that some new skills on top of your existing self are enough. So I always wind up going down into mindset. And that's really I think that's my differentiation in the market, but also that's my passion, you know, guiding people to that breakthrough. I asked a good friend of mine to tell me what she thought my superpower was. And she's she's very good at this stuff. You know, she's a um, she works in the spiritual space and she's highly adept. She said, you give people their power back. That is so amazing. That is so amazing. <laughs> um, I can really resonate with your story of, of what you just said there, because, you know, I, I can't remember the percentage you'd probably remember. But, you know, the, the fear of public speaking, a lot of people, there's a huge percentage of people that would rather literally die than than public speak. Correct. And that was me like five years ago and I did a public speaker course and exactly like you said, they gave me skills. And what happened was that I believe that actually made me a worse speaker because I was going out and thinking, oh, I've got to walk this way and do this with my <laughs> right. head. Where really no one cares, right? They just want to hear my right. story. They want to connect with yeah. me deeply. And yeah. if, if my story brings people into my world, they don't care no. if I'm using my hands all over the place. And now that yeah. I'm in in that space, it's much better for everybody. So I love, I you know, I really resonate with what you said. Yeah. And it's funny on a, from a technical perspective, most of becoming a good speaker is stripping things away. You yeah, know? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. 
But that's all that, you know, you can apply that to just about anything. It's not just speaking. I also believe it's the same in business where people are trying to, you know, add value, add value, add value. And from a business perspective as a coach, that can actually overwhelm people. Like, let's take all of that away. Let's stop, you know, having the fire hose of information spraying at people <laughs> and just like give them a little bit of a drip and say, let's yeah. move forward with that. So I think <laughs> yeah, you can apply right. that to just about anything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that could, for me, that goes right into mindset because then we're talking about learning to identify all the stories and also to make that very fundamental and sort of shifting in perception, um, understanding that the stories really dictate the experience of the life. Yes. Right. So whatever the stories are that we have, it's backing up a little bit. I like to say that we don't live in reality. We live in virtual reality. And what I mean by that is it's the reality of our perceptions. Yes. It's not some objective reality. And in that way, whatever your stories are, determine everything. Absolutely. And so if you've got a fire hose of new stories coming in as you're trying to move boldly into some new chapter of your life, right? Um, I, and I know from firsthand experience too, but it can be completely overwhelming. It'll make you catatonic, won't it? <laughs> absolutely. 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 So I know that we, so I talk a lot about personal branding and I believe that, you know, our storytelling is very, a very important part of that. But I'd love your perspective. How do we know which are the right stories to tell and which are the parts of the story that we leave behind? Beautiful. So you've got to have some clarity around you know, not only yourself, if we're talking about stories from a branding, which is inherently a business perspective, the story you're looking for is the story of the core of you. And we call it the core story. But I think that even that gets a little overused. And so it gets a little diluted, right there. There are many different things about me, but not all of them support what you as a potential, let's say that you are considering having me guide you through some real life transformation, right? Sure. Yep. You're going to want to know what my credentials are for that, so to speak. And so my core story needs to be about the struggle, the growth, the overcoming, and the arriving at this place where I can, I can then help you. That is perfect. So it's about supporting the story of taking me on that journey. Precisely. And one thing that most people miss, Sam, is this. In my core story, I need to be relating to you more than I need to be, you know, aggrandizing myself. So in other words, you're Sir Edmund Hillary and I'm Tenzing Norgay, right? Yeah. I'm not the I'm not the hero climbing to the top of the mountain. I'm the Sherpa who's helping you climb to the top of the mountain. Absolutely. And so we really want to craft our story in that way. There's a there's a a method that I have called, I call, uh, revealing universals through your specifics. And so it's a way of, it's literally a way of framing, you know, the things that you've been through in a way that everyone can relate to. So I have a great example of that. If I tell you I was born in a cult, which I was, as you probably remember, yes, and and that I lived in an incredibly violent ghetto, totally unprotected and uh, and unlooked after from eight to 12, You'll you'll hear that and you'll feel for me, but you can't relate most likely, or the the lay person can't say, oh right, yeah, I remember that time I was born in a cult. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah. So in crafting that core story as a message and as an identity for your brand, what I need to do is find the universal human themes of you know alienation, rejection, 
being told you're not good enough, those kind of things that in my case kept everybody dependent on the, the group. But even though that's highly specific, there are universal themes that you can elucidate on within that. And so when we're telling our stories from a branding perspective and from a perspective of, you know, saying you're somebody I can help, you're somebody not so much, right? Because yes. we don't want everybody. No. You have to you have to find a way, and there's an art here that's not a science at all. You gotta find a way to to express the universal human experiences in your specifics. Sure. So what I'm hearing is it's about telling your story so that your your prospect or whoever it is that's listening to you can see themselves in the story. You're not telling your story to fluff up your own ego. Exactly. Love exactly. It. Yeah. When you do when you do create your story, when you do tell your story, never seek to make yourself a hero or a victim for that matter. Yes. You know, uh, because if you stay in victim, nobody's going to respond to you, you yes. know, and if you tell yourself, if you make yourself out to be the sort of invincible hero, most of us look at ourselves and we say, I'm not that. We may try to put it out into the world that we are, but we know inside we're not. So that story so, is about empowering the person yeah. on the other side of the table. I love that. So thank you for sharing that, by the way, because I think that you you package that up into a beautiful box with a lovely bow on the top. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, the message that I'm trying to share with my listeners is that we all have greatness within us. Um, yes. And that is our own unique mix of skills. It's our story. It's our passion. It's our knowledge. But what I'd love you to share is how did you get to the point where you are now, where you were brave enough to to come out and make a stand and put yourself out there, share that story and actually serve the community or serve your community, build your tribe? Yeah. So, you know, part of it is that old self-help axiom that when the pain of change the pain of not changing becomes greater than the pain of staying the same. You'll change. It was part that. And in my case, even as a little kid, I always could tell that it's like I was out of sync with who I was supposed to be. I just had a sense that I wanted to serve people, help people, organize people. Even as a little boy, I tried to start clubs all the time. And, you know, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I underwent a process that I first learned from Stephen Covey. He talked about going back, you know, tracing yourself back in time and looking at what you always did without being told to, looking at where you always went to seek enjoyment. And then you take all the different things and you find out what they all have in common. And for me, it was always connection, teaching, you know, that was always it as far back as I can remember. So on the one hand, the pain of staying the same did outweigh the fear of change. And so I changed. But on the other hand, it was like there was always that part of me that could tell the way you, the, the environment you're living in is wrong. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing. I sort of always had a sense of, of like a like a, a mission, you know, yes. and, and it took me the first half of my life to sort of find it, uncover it, clarify it and then connect to it. Yeah. So you're right. We do. And, and it is a theme that's coming up with everyone that I've interviewed so far that there does come a point where the, you know, you, you have your back against the wall and you have to yeah. move forward. But I love yeah. that you've put a positive spin on that because just having your back to the wall is a very fearful place to be. And it, yeah. you know, you're moving forward because you have to, but it doesn't feel right. But when you're yeah. thinking, these are the things that I'm really good at and these are what I'm passionate at. How much easier is it to move forward when you're just like, 
oh, this is the stuff I love to do. I love to connect with people. I love to teach. Yeah. So even though you've got your back to the wall, you're, you're still going towards something that lights you up. Yeah. And, you know, I would sincerely hope, wish, and pray for every person that you figure out what that is for you as soon as you can. Like the piece about being pulled by something you're passionate about as opposed to being pushed by need and circumstance. Yeah. It's just a complete shift in perspective. And, you know, you know, as well as I do, building something especially building something from nothing, no matter how passionate you are, it's going to be hard. It's but a the slog, difference, that's for sure. Yeah. But the difference when you're excited about what it is you're doing is all the difference. I love that. The, the, I mean, you can just feel it in your body, the, the feeling of being pulled towards Can't something. You? Yes. And, and the, the reason, you know, the difference between being pushed, a completely different physical feeling. You know, yes, one's, absolutely. one's from the heart and one's from the head. Um, and Precisely. That, that's what it yeah. is. It's like really tapping into what's in your heart and the head mm-hmm. will just follow with what it needs to do. Right. And yeah. isn't that isn't that amazing and fascinating how we can say that and it doesn't even mean in the new age way, does it? No, it's it's no, a no, very no. sort of literal sense, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's not woo-woo. It's, uh, right. not, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I, and we have discussed that I'm a little bit of the universe and the woo-woo and all of that, but I'm also very, you know, very business, very logical. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not all strange. It is just, a, you know, what is it that's in my heart and what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just love how when we are able to connect something to our heart, to our gut, it just feels completely different. You know, in my one-on-one coaching, when people have struggles, big the big blocks, the big struggles, it's inevitably because they understand an idea up in their brain, but they don't feel it yet. Yes. Every time, you know, and as soon as I can get you to feel it, Bam! Yep. It's like shot from a gun. While you're intellectualizing it, it's it's an abstraction. Yeah. Totally. Um, when I was on retreat writing my book, you know, I, I was there with a few other people. And every time I would say to someone, I've got a block. It got to the point where everyone would just go, Sam, you're in your head again. And the second, you know, second I go into heart space, the words would just flow. So absolutely 100% agree with you. So at that time, Manny, where you, where you understood that, that, you know, it's about connection, it's about teaching and you felt that in your heart. And, and even though you had your back against the wall and, and it was great because you were moving towards something positive. Was there still a fear of putting yourself out there? Yes. And it's funny because if I'm being completely candid, it still comes up. Yes. I'm far better equipped to deal with it now, but it still comes up. You know, I tell people when it comes to that imposter syndrome, that that internal dialogue holding you back, we, unless you're, and then I mean this literally, unless you're like a narcissist or a psychopath, we all have it, right? Yes. We all have that. And People will look at Gary Vaynerchuk. People will look at Elon Musk. People will look at Richard Branson and say, well, they must be fearless. No, they're not. No, they're they have not. better tools. Yes. <laughs> they have, yeah, because it's new level, new devil when it comes to those stories that try to hold us back, right? <laughs> I love that. New, say it again, new level, new devil. New devil. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, the stories are always there and uh, and I do experience them all the time. I'm just, my life, one of the things that is unique about my life is that I was forced out of my quote unquote comfort zone so often and so frequently that being outside of my comfort zone just kind of got comfortable, you know? Yeah. And then you start to really discover that all those old axioms are true. Like there's, you know, we were meant to be explorers 
And if we weren't explorers, we wouldn't have survived. And so, so it's in us to go out of the comfort zone. You know, yes. there was a guy that just skydived without a parachute into a net. I saw <laughs> you know, that. Recently. How crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From like, you know, thousands of feet in the air. There was another guy who spent years figuring out how to develop, how to develop a jumpsuit that he could jump from the edge of the atmosphere. I mean, we're meant to explore. <laughs> We're meant to push the boundaries, you know? So, yes, all that circles back to saying, yes, I still feel the fear. I'm just much better equipped at at moving through it. So, if there was someone listening now that says, well, it's fine for you, Manny, you know, but... (laughs) But I, I, I'm still too fearful to put myself out there. What would you say right. to them? Well, there are a lot of ways to address that. There are a lot of levels on which we can address that. The simplest to understand might just be going out of your comfort zone is like a muscle and it'll either atrophy or get developed depending on use. Then on a deeper level, you go back to examining stories, right? We Because you'll have some sort of a story. It'll be the time you got rejected or the time you did something stupid on your BMX bike and broke your crazy neck or whatever it is. Here in the present moment, it's a story, right? And so you can examine those things. And then from there, what we want to do is is basic your basic paradigm shift, right? Yes. What you got to so whoever you are that's listening out there that's saying that, that's well and good for you. You obviously don't know my story because <laughs> <laughs> We've all got those crazy stories. Yeah, <laughs> Some are just crazier I, I have, than others. <laughs> I have every reason to be scared and hiding in a cave, but I'm just not, you know, uh, and that's the same for any of us. Fear in and of itself is just fear. It just puts outcomes in our head that aren't real until either they are or they aren't. But while you're experiencing them as fear, it's just adrenaline connected to images. That's all it is, you know? Yeah. And really, there's the difference between fear and excitement when you've got your mindset right actually almost feels the same anyway. That's interesting you bring that up because physiologically, it's exactly the same. It's precisely the same thing. It's just what do we attach to that adrenaline dump and that tingling? Well, it's like a roller coaster, right? There's some people that love it and they get excited. And then there's some people like me, they're like, oh, no, thank you. (laughs) I don't like to be that much out of control. But, you know, it is the same feeling when you're walking on stage or when you're putting yourself out there on social media, saying something that really is, you know, quite personal, that, you know, something that you believe in that, you know, a hundred people could jump on and go, oh my God, you're wrong. You're wrong. (laughs) Something that's got teeth to it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So there's many, there's many working parts to um, building a personal brand. And I believe that building your personal brand is really important. I think that you've done a really good job, you know, you're authentically telling your story and you're helping people with that. But I'd love you to share with us what are the three things which has had the greatest impact for you personally to build that brand? Well, so how successfully you can build an authentic personal brand is going to be, and, and, and if you disagree, then then call me out on this, but I think it's going to be contingent upon how courageously you can tell the truth of your story. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. And so for me, writing the book was massively liberating. I'm talking about 10 times more healing than everything I had done leading up to it combined. Yeah. Now, in my case, 
to write that book, I had to confront the truth of the way that I just don't fit into my family. And it meant that I had to be prepared to and ultimately follow through on letting go of my family. However, it may look like a a loss or some sort of a tragedy on the surface. But the fact of the matter is, when I really examined it, I didn't have a meaningful relationship with any of them. And so the whole idea of the family for me was a complex set of illusions and expectations about what a family is supposed to be like. I say all that not to get off topic, but to illustrate that if you want authenticity, then you've got to have the courage to tell the truth and shame the devil. And that courage comes from the vulnerability, right? It really does. Um, I hope that in this day and age, nobody's confused about how being vulnerable is courageous. I hope we don't have to talk at that level, you know, but but it's really true. the, The bravest thing you can do is just to be vulnerable and realize that we're all going through this together. We're all imperfect. Um, And so once you can get to that place and you have no guile, no deception left, you can start to create a story and a brand. And by the way, you'll love this. You know this is true. We are our own personal brand, whether we like it or not. Absolutely. In the age of social media. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and going, I don't need a personal brand, guess what? (laughs) Everyone needs a personal brand. Even, you know, we're, we're talking about it from the perspective of an entrepreneur or a business owner, but even people working in corporate these days, you need to have a personal brand. Absolutely. Because what do people do if they're going to hire you? They check social media. If you're already working in a corporation and they're considering you for an advancement, they're still going to check your social media, you know, <laughs> but, but more than that, they're, they're looking at you. And, and what personal brand really means is how do people perceive us? Correct. Is it aligned? Is it consistent or is it all over the place? Yeah. Are you congruent in um, actions to, you know, the the, the words that you're using, the look, you know, what you're saying, your actions backing that up? Yeah. 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 So, um, so guys and girls listening, you are your personal brand, whether you like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So that's, that's the first thing that um, it's about the vulnerability of telling the, the truth. Um, it is. The second is, well, I don't know, is the book in that or is the second the second thing writing a book? How is that for you? For me, you know, the book was a coalescing. So I think my personal brand actually kind of emerged. I don't think everyone needs to write a book, mm-hmm. although I would say that there's only upsides. Yes. You know, there are only, there's no downside to doing it unless you expect to get rich off the book itself, which is very unlikely. But like in my case, you know, I I had a really fractured childhood. And so for me, the book actually functions as the first time I ever had a cohesive emotional narrative that told the story of my life. Yes. It's very common for people who have had lots of traumatic experiences and, and, and sort of, you know, shockingly out of the ordinary kind of experiences to have this sense of their life as broken pieces. And that was me. That was that was me to a T. And so Writing the story, and especially, I think, writing the story in a way where I did not try to make myself a hero or a victim allowed me to sort of, you know, run a thread through everything and put it together. And so how does that relate to your personal brand? Well, now I can look and say, holy crap, this is who I am. (laughs) Yeah. Once I know that, I can begin to show it to people. 
But sharing that story, like you said, it's not about being the victim. It's not about being the hero. It's about empowering yourself and empowering others, I believe. Yes. Can I get an amen? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And what would be the third thing? Well, probably we should give some discussion or some some meaningful lip service to it's not enough to be courageous once, is it? No, absolutely. So so once you get there, as you keep pushing into new territory, let's say we're talking in the business realm here and and you're building something, something significant in the business world, you're going to constantly be faced with opportunities where it seems like if you sell a little bit of your integrity, you can move ahead. And so it, there's there's a, an aspect of needing to stay in that level of honesty and authenticity and vulnerability. And and sometimes it really feels like you're sort of like letting the chips fall where they may, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's the third piece is once you've got it to hold on to it and stay with it. Yeah. So you've got all these people that have come to, metaphorically, they've come to your show. We don't want to turn the lights out and just leave them sitting there. We need to, you know, they're looking for an answer or they're looking for something. So it's our, it's our, I can't think of the word, but, you know, we have to be there to to continue that story to help them move forward. We can't just walk away from them. Right. And the thing that is really exciting to me, which I, I think not many of us pay attention to this, is we're talking about a very high level of integrity here, aren't we? We're talking Absolutely. about a very high level of showing up in the world. And we all focus on this, especially in the entrepreneurial space, in what it can do for us and therefore how we can serve our tribes. But the exciting thing that people don't give a lot of uh, attention to is now take the 10,000 foot view and imagine for every person doing that, a little light goes on. Mm. You know, if we all keep doing this now, suddenly there's this whole matrix of lights that represents, right? This whole new kind of shift in consciousness to this higher state of showing up. That's what's exciting. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. I'm going to be just thinking about, because I always say, you know, it's your time to shine, but just picturing all of that from a high level, all those lights, oh, light bulb moment. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that right, is right, awesome, right. Manny. That is so awesome. I'd love to to start to wind it up, but I'd love you to share if there was one piece of advice that you wish someone had shared with you at the beginning of your business journey, what would that be? Take the time to understand where your passions and your skills intersect with what the market can support. So this is sort of a more practical version of follow your bliss, right? Because following your bliss could, you could wind up playing hacky sack for the rest of your life and that's all well and good, but it doesn't serve, right? And so I think it's implied in follow your bliss that if we all do this, somehow everyone will be happy and that will raise the vibration. But I disagree with that. I think that we must serve our fellow man. I think we must strive to create and be big part of something bigger than ourselves. So that's why instead of follow your bliss, I say, follow the intersection, right? (laughs) Of your skills, your passions, and what the market will bear. Yes. So that you are in a state of bliss. You're elated to do what you're doing. Struggles and and problems look more like exciting challenges and you're in service. Wow. So if anyone was just listening and just heard that, that's great. But I didn't just hear that. Like I felt that when you said that, I just, you know, I could feel your energy that you really embody that 100%. And that is such a special gift to share with the world. Um, And thank you so much for sharing that with us. My pleasure.
<laughs> so what's a way or what's the best way for my listeners to stay connected with you, Manny? Uh, probably to put lots of $100 bills in envelopes and send them. No, I'm just kidding. No, well, actually, funny you should say that. My mentor always says, don't clap, throw money. Right? <laughs> um, if you want to connect with me, I answer all my own emails. If you've got some a comment, feedback, whatever, send me an email, manny at mannywolf.com. And uh, I, I assume you'll link it in the show notes. Everything but will Wolf, be linked in the show notes. Wolf has an E at the end of it. That's uh, That throws people. If you want to get the book, please get the book and leave me a review. It's just go to my website, mannywolf.com. There's a button there to take you right to the book. That's really the best way. You know, just reach out. Just, just make contact and it'll actually be me getting back to you. So, And I hope that everyone does, you know, if this if this interview resonated with you, that you do reach out. Like I said, we, we have the most beautiful conversations. I love speaking with you, Manny. I think you're so inspiring. I love the heart that you bring to everything that you do. And thank you so much for sharing everything with us that you have today. Ever so grateful and um, thank you. It's been my pleasure. And uh, I would like to say on the air that you've done an extraordinary interview. You've gotten me, you've given me the opportunity to not just sort of rehash the same talking points. And, and I really value that. Thank you so much. Gratefully received. <laughs> Thank you so much, Manny. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Unlimited Influence Podcast. You'll find the show notes over at theaccelerantgroup.com. It's your time to shine. <laughs>